Hey everybody, this episode of the Press Row Podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19. Make your move. Out of the Park Baseball 19 is now available worldwide. You can get it on Steam, you can get it on Origin, or you can download it directly from ootpdevelopments.com. Everybody is having a great time playing Out of the Park Baseball 19. We are so thrilled with the reception that it's gotten. We're so happy with all the fans who are playing it, more people than ever are now playing out-of-the-park baseball, uh, and there's a whole bunch of cool stuff coming down the road this summer, including the introduction of our brand-new Perfect Team online mode, which is going to get a whole lot of people excited. we got a lot of information coming out about that in a couple of months. But until then, there's so much fun to be had in out-of-the-park baseball 19. Of course, it's got the updated opening day rosters for the 2018 season. It's got uh, the ability, of course, to play as every single franchise from the uh, Major League Club down to the low minors and everywhere in between. And of course, it's got the entire history of baseball, so you can go back in time anywhere. You can create all sorts of custom leagues and play out custom tournaments, and you can do all sorts of crazy stuff, including one of the things that we're doing right now. You'll hear us talk about that we are having nine of our Press Row Podcast friends draft their optimal team based upon the current major leagues, and we're going to play them against each other to see how it's going, and, and Out of the Park Baseball 19 is one of the games uh, powering that. There's just so much good stuff to, to be found in Out of the Park Baseball 19. You can buy it today. It's only $39.99. And again, I mentioned you can get it on Steam. You can get it on Origin. You can get it right from OTP Developments. And if you're an Origin Access subscriber, you can just go click on a button and be playing it right now. As part of an online subscription service. We're so excited for you to play Out of the Park Baseball 19. Go check it out. Out of the Park Baseball 19. Well, it's been quite a week from the start of the NBA 2K League to the release of Super Mega Baseball 2. And the late-breaking news that Madden's creative director of the last six years has left the company. We've got a lot to get to in this episode of the Press Row Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Weedai, Pasta Padre. With me for this episode, as usual, Rich Grisham of Out of the Park Developments. And coincidentally, he was actually already booked for the episode before the news hit. We have the previous creative director from the Madden series, Ian Cummings, whose latest mobile game, Horse Racing Manager 2018, just released and right in time for the Kentucky Derby. Welcome, guys. Ian, really appreciate you taking the, the time with us again to come on and, and talk about some of the uh, latest developments and your new game, because going back a couple of years, uh, Photo Finish Horse Racing was one of the better mobile games, uh, certainly in the, in the sports uh, genre. Uh, and was really enjoyable, and I know my brother got addicted to it at one point. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what you've done differently uh, with the new release of Horse Racing Manager 2018. Cool, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so let's start with with your game because I know uh, you've been working again on horse racing. We've had this conversation for a, uh, a while back uh, on a couple different episodes. Why you chose that? and uh, and how well it was working out for you so where did you know where did you go from photo finish horse racing to uh deciding to create a whole new game and release it separately now yeah it was a, it was a it was a tough decision um you know photo finish has been out for i guess nearly three years um in total um two years with me as my current uh and my current team and studio and publishing partner and stuff um so, you know, at some level it was like, okay, I'm pretty bored with horse racing. Um, 
and and wanted to try something new. And so, you know, after last year's Derby, um, you know, the game was just moving along great and didn't really require that much work from us. And so we tried all kinds of different random ideas and prototypes and, um, and it just sort of kept coming back to us that, that we thought we could go deeper on horse racing. Um, and, and it didn't really even feel viable to put it into photo finish and photo finish was just, you know, built the way it was built. Uh, I built it on a lot of late nights and weekends. And so the, the code is really sloppy and, um, and difficult to manage. And so it felt like, well, you know, we've learned a ton. We have a lot better, um, chops now as a team. And so it would be nice to try and go on a deeper style game that, um, is, is still horse racing, but, but for a different style of horse racing fan. Um, and it just felt like, uh, again, this, as I talked about last time, the horse racing niche is, is definitely kind of underserved, um, on mobile. And so the, the things that I was really kind of interested in within horse racing, um, in terms of building stables, um, for the long term and, and building like a long term um, genealogy, breeding line of uh, bloodlines and, and genetics and all these kind of interesting things that I was that I was sort of like really into. It felt like it was kind of impossible. The arcade style game that Photo Finish was, and so so after a lot of just uh, internal you know debate and prototyping and, and messing around, we decided we might as well give it a shot. You know, it, it's it's always nice to have sort of a starting um, you know, building block to go from to know that, you know, the, the horses will run around a track and, and that part is sort of easy to take care of. And, and so now let's work on building like a different style of, of management as opposed to, um, just hitting a button to whip them, uh, as they, as they roll around. <laughs> uh, so that, that was sort of where it came from. It just felt like it was a different style that, uh, would be too hard to shoehorn in to the other game. Um, and, and, and I guess we'll see. I mean, jury's out. Who knows? It might have been the right decision. It might have been the wrong one. I don't. I don't know yet. <laughs> so, what is the balance between? I think we've kind of gone into this before too. Between like the active playing of you know actually racing versus the management aspects. Because I know Rich, you're associated with a management game, but they're also you know uh, y- you have to interact in certain cases too. So it's like, um, how do you balance? You know, which direction you go and whether whether it's uh, you know, you've gotten even focus on both ends of them so that people stay engaged mm-hmm. in terms of the the balance of which way i mean with horse racing manager like you you have nothing to do in the race other than watch it um and and that was sort of the again the, the try to shift to the total other side of the coin which was that if you were a an actual owner or a trainer of horses in real life how, what would it be like? You know, you're not on the horse riding him. Mm-hmm. Um, you're sort of just pre- preparing as best as you can for race day, hoping the the right jockey has been hired and, um, and then hope for the best, you know? And so that was, that was more or less the way we were going is that, um, we were trying to move it more towards of like the long game that, uh, an individual race, isn't the biggest deal for the first horse that you get. It's more like I'm trying to breed my way into a, a championship bloodline for these huge races down the line. And the races are just sort of, again, thinking about people that own racehorses. They just 
have 10 horses and they're, and they're going to different spots of the country. And, and, and it's just sort of like, tell me which one's doing well and I'll keep that one breeding uh, down the next line or I'll try and invest more in his training and, and that kind of a thing. So it was, it was a lot more closely mirrored after real life as opposed to photo finish where it seemed like it was more of kind of like a jockey simulator um, arcade game, you know? Yeah, before, I know Rich had a question, but I was just going to ask, is there any appearance from Rob Gronkowski? Because I think every horse <laughs> racing story I see lately has to do with Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I know there's not. It's mm. interesting how, I mean, like the when, when you roll in towards the Derby, which is such a huge event, there's still the most media outlets don't really have any idea what to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so so if there's any remotely interesting story, there, that is going to be over and over. And last year it was Patch, you know, Horse with One Eye. That's all you heard about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, this year Gronk, who doesn't even make it in, <laughs> um, yeah. unfortunately, which is a crazy, again, and, and that's what I like about this real life part of it, which is so wild, is that you finally somehow breed your way to this magical horse that is made the derby and then he just gets sick or something you know the week before and then that's it your your hopes are are dashed it's just a crazy really really crazy uh, sport <laughs> that i that i hope we're we're still going to keep working on um in this game to try and add more of those wrinkles you know you know in the recent uh, sports illustrated the most recent one they re-ran an article written by uh, a famous sports illustrated writer whose name uh, I unfortunately forget at the moment, but we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, But it was about Secretariat. And I haven't read a long-form article about horse racing in a I read that. Oh, you did? I read that too, yeah. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Him talking about just all the memories of going out there to the stable after he had retired. Yes. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And, you know, but but you talk about some of the the nuances and and the – the the idiosyncrasies of horse racing, which, you know, from the outside looking in, if you're not a horse racing person, there's a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of things in the language of the sport and in just, you know, you're dealing with animals, not human beings or, well, you're dealing <laughs> with animals and human beings. Like, what's your relationship with horse racing? I mean, I don't and I know we've talked about it before, but I don't think like you grew up a big horse racing guy. And, of course, you were no. very much a football guy uh, both i'm sure professionally as we know with with ea and the madden team and obviously you know just in for fun too so talk about how you got to this point with horse racing because as you're talking about it clearly you're in deep now like you know the culture <laughs> you know what's going on this is something that you are very in touch with right now yeah i guess i have to now i still don't know enough you know um I'm still like making a video game version of what I think horse racing is like. So I don't know if I've, I've nailed a lot of the uh, inner parts of it. And, you know, we'll get random reviews on the apps, um, on the games that are, you know, from people that were former jockeys that will really let us have it about some, you know, detail that we missed. Well, that's good though, right? But, you can work it into the next one, I would think. Um, I, grew up, um, I grew up in Tennessee and I didn't, I didn't watch uh, horse racing or care about it at all. And, um, I was around football. My grandfather was a, a coach in the NFL and high school and college levels and stuff. And so football I was obviously interested in. And so it wasn't until, um, you know, really just sort of somewhere along the line at EA, uh, I had, I remember having lunch with, with Donnie Moore and us talking about, it. it would be so cool to make a horse racing game. And, um, and, you know, 
just how that's a sport that no one cares about. And, you know, it could be really cool to maybe bring it back into prominence. And, and it always stuck with me. Um, and so really once, once I had the opportunity to kind of go at it on my own, it was just sort of the, the sport that seemed like I could accomplish it by myself. And that was one of the biggest reasons I picked it. You know, I could not make a soccer game by myself or a football game by myself. And I felt like horse racing. I definitely could. And then, uh, I started rolling. I realized I was in over my head and um i started i actually went on a trip with the, the other guys at, at third time we went to ocala which is about a 30 minute drive from here and it's sort of like the um you know one of the second or third biggest locations for horse racing and so we went on this guided tour where a lady uh was a tr she was a trainer of thoroughbreds and just kind of walked us through the whole process and uh, took us to an auction and, and showed us just how everything worked and gave us all these books. And so it was just like really going into study mode after that of trying to figure out, Oh, you mean what happens when a horse is born? What are they called? You know, it was just like, I didn't have any idea what any of that stuff was, uh, was about and, and the ages and the requirements and, and all that stuff. Uh, we've, we've really just kind of learned in the last few years. So this is one of my favorite things about your story. Uh, it's so admirable. You created your own studio. I, it was you on your own for a little while, but you you then expanded it. You you've built, you've grown your own studio. You're controlling your own destiny. Uh, you've grown this into something with employees and mm -hmm. you know responsibilities. You got responsibilities to them. You know, of course, you've also providing for your family. You got kids. Like this is really impressive to see somebody do this. Talk to me a little bit about that journey going from. You know, we, we know sort of the, the story of how you sort of arrived at that point, right? You were at Madden and then you were at, at Zynga and doing some things. And then you said, okay, I'm going to start. But from the time you started to now, that's an amazing accomplishment, what you've done. Uh, to, if you could take us a bit on that journey and what, what were some, some of the most sort of interesting moments or, or decisions you made? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you, number one. Um, it, it has been a wild ride, um, for sure. It's still, I'm still stressed out every day, of course, but uh, uh, I do like being in control, for sure, um, and, and not having to answer to anyone except for ourselves. That's, that's extremely nice. And then, and then being rewarded for your work um, or not rewarded uh, is, a, is a pretty great uh, feeling, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think the some of the, some of the most interesting things have been really on like what to do next. And that, that has been sort of the most challenging thing. I mean, photo finish, you know, again, I, I sort of built as a side project and it grew into a, a major game and, and it kept the studio afloat and continues to keep us afloat. Um, and so there's a lot of, it, it's just almost impossible to wrap your head around what to do next. Um, and you know, the fact that we settled on this horse racing manager was still a very conservative pick because it felt like, well, it's kind of low risk and, and um, we felt like there was a market that was still underserved. Um, but when it comes to what to do after this one, which is where, you know, a lot of the mode that we're in a little bit now, it's it's like really crippling. You know, when you, when you sit around at EA and, um, you know, you go to lunch with your buddies and you talk about how lame it is that they don't make any new games and you talk about all the game ideas that you wish you could make. Um, it's sort of just a different mindset because then you can blame someone else. Oh, you know, they're not going to green light this or they don't know what they're talking about. But when you have to actually make that decision yourself and, and, and do market research and determine and try to, you know, you make these huge bets. I mean, they're just like, 
especially at our level where we're small and independent, it's like everything, every decision you make, you're kind of betting the company on. Uh, EA can weather a few bad games, you know, uh, without any kind of problem or, or something that undersells. Right. Um, but we can't, you know. And so uh, that part is, is crazy. It's, it's obviously very liberating, but it's also just you're not used to it, and it's super scary. Because um, you can sit around all day and think of all these great game ideas, but then you're like, will that make any money? How will we sell that? How, you know, what if it doesn't work? How long is it going to take to find out that it will work or it won't? Is such a... Um, you know, you're right there in the details of, of making sure you can hit payroll is very different versus uh, EA or, or even Zynga. Uh, I mean, Zynga struggled a ton with what game should we make next, you know, and, and they put out tons of games that flopped and or they doubled down on ones that they shouldn't have or, or whatever. EA is a pretty, pretty damn conservative at this point, um, and so they're kind of moving along pretty well. Let's, let's go buy a Star Wars license, and we're pretty sure we'll knock that out of the park, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I, it's so it's so hard. It's it's fun, but it's it's uh, you know paralysis by analysis. You know. Well, I mean, you are profitable, right? I mean, so th- that yeah. in and of itself is a major accomplishment in the incredibly competitive, difficult video game world. And you're in the mobile space. Not that it's. You know, other spaces are not competitive. They all are. But mobile in particular, because of the perceived, you know, low barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, you know, 10,000 apps a week or something go live or something. It's some crazy number. Exactly. So to be found and experienced on a level where you can build on it like you have is amazing. And I, 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 understand what you say when you're like yeah every day it's it's you know (laughs) there's a panic moment or there's a oh boy situation uh but i mean you i i and i'm not trying to like sound over congratulatory but i mean it's just pretty amazing i hope you take some you know sort of moments where you can sort of look on what you've accomplished and be like wow i this was pretty amazing that i was able to pull this off and we're able to still keep doing it and have people working for you and and make those things it's a pretty cool thing to be able to do these days it's not like it was you know a long time ago at all like the the volume that you are finding yourself swimming swimming against or with is pretty astounding yeah it's it's crazy i mean i i should do that more i will do that more rich thank you so of course the, the the news that that just came out and with Rex Dixon, who's uh, Madden's creative director, he took over the position when you left Ian uh, back in 2012. So he's been there ever since. He uh, posted on Twitter confirming uh, that he had left EA Sports and he went to uh, a mobile gaming company. Kind of interesting, also t- taking the same. Uh, post Madden path essentially, or mm-hmm. eventually you got there. You want you started with Facebook games, um, but uh, so th- this is interesting uh, because you know before we get to to what this might mean and and and, uh, and and what Rex has done for the series and and all of that. Um, could you explain what a creative director does? Because I'm not sure a lot of people really have a, a good understanding of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, it's different everywhere, but at least at Tiburon. Um, I, um, was supposed to kind of align the, the direction of the game feature set each year. So, um, you know, you, everyone on the team has a laundry list of things they want to fix and, um, and do, and you've got a team of designers that report to you. And, and so it's just sort of like, 
um, in essence, uh, focusing in all those uh, feature ideas and prioritizing, and and then and then at the end of that, sort of trying to align with marketing. Um, you know what what sort of is um, you know they used to call I can't even remember what all these things were called, but in essence, trying to central make a central vision for everything that you could put behind, like for Madden Ten, like kind of fight for every yard and. Uh, you have some slogan that then, you know, it helps you sort of then prioritize features behind that. Um, and so um, it, it's really a lot of um, just sort of like everything kind of comes up to you to, to, to make the final decision on as well as uh, you're, you're trying to push your vision down through the design team and the product teams and the marketing teams of like, these are the things that we have to fix or are important. So it's just like a big balancing act of, you know, the 30 million things that need to be done in the game, which ones are most important and can you get everyone on board, uh, and, and psyched about it too. Um, I mean, I felt like half of my time was spent in meetings, convincing people why I wanted to do certain things. So yeah, that's how, was, that's how it was at Tiburon for sure. Yeah. I was going to say it, the final decision doesn't always come down to the creative director, right? There are other voices. No, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, I mean, like the Madden process was you went at many multiple stages to go pitch what you thought the current vision should be for that year. And then maybe future years, if you, if you were out in front of it. Um, And there were a lot of stakeholders in that meeting that could say, no, we don't like that. Or, do more of this or we already talked to some other team and they're doing that. So don't do that part. Um, so there's a lot of that, like, you know, you kind of within your, within the Madden team, you're sort of all working together to align the vision. And then you sort of step up into the more of the sports organization and show them what you want to do. And then they go back and forth from there. Yeah. The, the, I'd say the creative director, it almost naturally becomes the face of the game now. Uh, not always, but, but it seems like, maybe voluntarily or involuntarily. Uh, yeah. They definitely started while I was there for sure. I mean, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't allowed to even talk to the community before um, we started doing that stuff. And so then they ended up, you know, putting us through media training and, mm-hmm. um, and, and sending us out and doing all the press and interviews. Um, so that's definitely another part of it is having to kind of answer for the game a little bit um, at, at, at this, at this day and age. Age, you know, you have to have a Twitter account and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Rex Dixon was kind of interesting in that regard because he was pretty outspoken, uh, sometimes combative. Uh, <laughs> he had, you know, his share of good moments, maybe a share of not so good ones. Uh, but uh, I think what people respected about him was he, he was very much an advocate for a simulation game. And so a lot of the things that maybe uh, went wrong with Madden over the last few years, he would get the blame for. I I don't necessarily think he was in the way of, for example, I don't think he was getting in the way of franchise mode being improved dramatically. Um, If anything, he was probably advocating for that. Uh, So so he gets a lot of, I'm sure... uh, uh, ear from the community <laughs> yeah uh, but but also i think in some places he, he he got respect for that because he was very uh receptive to feedback uh very he, like you said in twitter and and forums he would communicate he'd go on he even streamed some so i think that was again it was kind of more the new age uh as far as being the face of the game 
Well, it, but it's been six years. And so Madden has gone from where he started. You left off at Madden 12. He kind of picked up from there. Uh, and the game's been on, continued on an upward trajectory, I would say, uh, maybe gradually, not not uh, not as dramatically. It's maybe not at the place that people still think it should be, but it's mm-hmm. been getting there. Um, I I have to ask you, Ian, is there is there an expiration date on a position like that, giving the demands and the stress? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say so. Um, I, I think the 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 role there specifically with Madden is just it, it's such a giant um, you know aircraft carrier tanker that it's so hard to steer and change. There's so many people in in the process. There's so much old legacy code. There's you know like it's just really hard to make drastic changes. And so no matter who you are, when you drop into that role, you have you know starry eyes of everything that you're going to do, and it just slowly 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 happens or things don't work or you know and it's a results driven business and if if you tried something and you couldn't finish it all the way uh everyone points at you as well see that you shouldn't have done that and and now you know you just kind of uh, over time get beat down um i mean i think the twitter the 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 toxicity that you reach or that you get on that is is unbearable i mean it's just unacceptable you know I got a, I got a tweet today, dude. From oh, I know, some, I saw, I saw yeah, one. <laughs> some guy called me and asked. Was like, I really wanted to let him have it still, you know, but I just blocked it or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's like, not worth it. Yeah, it's like give me a break, dude. I mean, how long ago was that I said who knows what that offended some dude and he's just clinging to it. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's it. I don't know if it's an expiration date. It's just more or less like if you put yourself out there um, like Rex did, and I guess I did too. I mean, it is, it is rough um, and it'll wear on you because you just, no matter what, you're going to have to answer for every single problem and you're not going to get the credit for the good things you did. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's not worth it at some level, you know, like you, you get to the point where it's like, this isn't worth it. I'm, I don't own this company. I don't own this game, you know, I'm getting like trodden on from every person in the world and I don't have that much stake in it. So, you know, that essentially goes to what you were saying earlier about the creative freedom you have at, at, you know, working for your own, obviously with your own company or, you know, even when you went to another one, uh, you know, in a different space, uh, you, you got that creative freedom again and maybe some of the pressure, uh, came off a little bit. Uh, spotlight. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about his statement? Because there are a couple things that stood out to me from his statement, and that was specifically the line about giving Madden, the Madden franchise, a chance at a new direction. And then there was also, he mentioned some other uh, developers he's worked with and community members and talking about them fighting on for the future of Madden. So when I read this, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to explicitly say why, why he left. But when I read it, the impression I got was probably that he was battling for certain things and given what we know of him, it was probably a, a sim direction or certain you know, resources going to certain areas of the game that may be uh, being prioritized elsewhere. Uh, do you get that sense? Is that, is that kind of similar to, to what you had to deal with behind the scenes in, in uh, laying out your vision and, and fighting for it and, and the, uh, the difficulty that comes with 
dealing with all of that and not just once, but having to do it every single year? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I did read it that way. Um, that, I mean, that it was definitely a little bit of shade there um, about them being able to go in a new, go in a new direction. I mean, I don't know why you would write that unless you don't agree with the direction that they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember what I wrote, but I think I remember saying something about, I hope <laughs> they keep, I hope they keep going with what I, what I wanted as opposed mm-hmm. to, as opposed to this saying, well, they're going to have a chance for a new direction now. Um, but I, who knows? I, you know, I haven't talked to him or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely would understand it if, if, I haven't talked to Rex. I only met Rex once. Um, we had lunch once and he seemed, you know, to be like right in my wheelhouse. He seemed like a great dude, just wanted the best for the game, wanted a perfect football simulation. You know, that's all we ever wanted. Um, and then there's just so much stuff that's in the way of that, whether it's on purpose or not, it's just, there's, you know, that's not an easy thing to just say that you're going to do. Um, and so I could absolutely see him, um, just kind of running out of steam on, on, on not being able to, to do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he was with long shot. I don't know what he thinks about franchise. I don't, you know, just the game has so many other things that pull it in different directions. Mm. And I'm sure he's in there just saying, please let's fix the locomotion or let's please let's fix this or, you know, some like thing. And, and everyone's like, well, you know, sales are flat and we got to try a new thing for millennials and, (laughs) <laughs> you know, whatever the hell they're saying. Uh, <laughs> um, we hear millennials like Bernie Sanders. Can we put Bernie Sanders in the game? Or who knows? What, yeah. Who the hell knows what they're saying? So that I could I could absolutely see him just saying, all right, that's enough. You know, what's happening in late April and early May? Like are features so dis- decided upon and the development tracks gone so far at this point where like, you know, there is it's it's a done deal already or is there a lot of room for things to still be done between now mm. and launch like what, what's a, happening in may right now in that's a, Madden a good cycle? that's a good question because like now you say that like i remember i because my birthday's in late april i quit right at my around my birthday so yeah. i quit i quit around the same time too mm-hmm. um so it was like we were in like later stages of alpha if i remember right so meaning like all the features are in but there's tons of bugs and you're still trying to, uh, you know, squeeze in extra like little surprise on sidekick or something for, for Brian. Uh, yes, that, thank you. I still, yeah. I, st- I appreciate the effort. There. <laughs> there's some sort of level of like that thing that you're trying to just do a couple of little things. But for the most part, I think all the features have been decided. Uh, they're probably working on marketing, um, you know, uh, ad campaigns and, and starting to gather screenshots and stuff, um, you know, with the draft, there, there's always like, you know, the game's got to be kind of playable by around that time. Well, E3 and EA play are next month, so you would. Yeah, so you're definitely at playable level by now, and all the features are in there. Um, and they're just probably really broken. You know, anything that's online, they're scrambling and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a the feature set has been decided, I'm sure. The vision and the marketing slogans and all that have been all decided. Um, okay. So that was like when, when I left, that's, that was sort of like, well, this is the game that we're making and I'm not like really into this anymore. Mm. Uh, so I, I didn't feel like I was leaving anyone in a lurch or anything like that. Uh, and so I just, that was it for me. So Madden 19, wait, what's, what's the, yeah. what's it going to be? What year is it? Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. 
<laughs> Presumably they'll go with Madden 19, yes. So yeah. the first, it's not this year's game that will sort of be a indication as to where where that direction is going. It'll be next year's game. Right? Well, it could be, though. I mean, he could, um, I don't know. I think if you look a little of that with, with when I left, I mean, Madden 12 was definitely not like my wholehearted favorite thing. Um, so it could be that it could be that he went along for the, he went along for the ride and, and, uh, you know, had to give up on stuff or had to acquiesce and, and just finally got the, the final burnout after seeing, you know, as it's all coming together, like shit, I'm done with this. Um, so I don't know. You never know. Who knows? That's, that's right. what would happen to me. Though. Right. How, how different do you think it is to be the creative director in 2018 than it was in 2012. Is it a lot different? Is it a little bit different or is, or is it even pretty much the same? Do you think? Yeah, I bet it's unfortunately like exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) from what I hear. I mean, it just seems like, um, I mean, like Tiburon and, um, you know, I've gone at length with, in these calls with you guys, um, the, the, the yearly cycle is just like, you can't miss anything. You can't, um, you can't veer off of the path too much. So really not all that much changes in a given year in terms of uh, the way that you operate because there's too much risk of doing crazy. I mean, you can't miss that ship date um, and you have just so little time. I mean, geez, I guess the big difference now is how long they spend on online support, um, you know, going through the whole year mm-hmm. versus, you know, I guess at the very beginning of my uh, tenure there, it was sort of like, you know, once you were done, you were done. Like the, the day after it shipped, you were on to the next one. Um, so the schedule is even more compressed. So I, I think it's just, it's probably extremely similar. Um, you're rushing to get the one done and then you're rushing to figure out the next one. And then you're in there pitching it for months, trying to convince everyone. And then before you know it, it's E3, you know? So. That's yeah. Uh, were you, did you ever work under leadership change Ian, when you were uh, a producer or designer uh, was there ever a, uh, like a creative director change? And did that, you mentioned there's so many people involved and it's kind of a train that that's not going to be stopped, but does that, is it a disruption at all? Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, and some of the people there that EA may remember this, this PowerPoint that I used to give, um, <clears throat> that I listed out every single feature that Madden added, um, from like Madden 06 onward. Um, or maybe even before that, maybe 04 or 03 onward. Uh, and then each year I would, uh, I would step forward in the deck and, and cross out the ones that were getting deleted. Um, and, and, and then I would prep and then show that against FIFA who had never deleted anything. Mm. Um, and, and, and that was just sort of that talk of like, we've got to get everyone back on board and stop thrashing. You know, it's like Madden 08 added like rings and holograms and, Mm-hmm. training virtual training modes and then the next year is just deleted and then madden 09 adds um you know this dynamic difficulty and and uh player weapons or whatever. maybe that was 08 I, it's hard to even remember all these things yeah, and then together. And, and then the next year deleted and then even with you know my stuff is like madden 10 we do all this work and then um deleted and then you, then you do gus johnson and then deleted and then mm-hmm. you know it's just like this constant thrash that happens when you you have these leaders changes and all of those were each of those were creative director or executive producer changes um that um you just can't stay on the same path whereas i felt like fifa uh, um 
was just like, here's our laundry list of, of, of gameplay features, and we're going to work on them for the next seven years. Leave us alone. And, and then look what that game became, you know? So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think for consumers, uh, most consumers don't really worry about who's creative director. I think that's yeah. a lot for, that's for us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's for the, the people hardcore. who follow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll be able to infer, you know, potentially based on, on who takes over, uh, what maybe the new uh, direction is. Also, like Rich said, we got EA Play coming up. Uh, and Madden tends to put out its first uh, news, at least in the last few years, in mid-May in advance of EA Play. Well, so I don't it, know. Isn't Mike Young taking over as a creative director? Or not taking he's, over, but r- taking back the role to some degree? He's kind of shared that? that. He's kind of shared that. Um, I mean, he'll basically that, shepherd this year's game. And then I presume, you know, and again, I'm completely hypothesizing now. I presume he'll sort of be given the opportunity to, to stay in that role or sort of go go back to what he was doing related to Longshot and any other sort of new stuff he's got cooking. Interestingly, he is uh, currently listed as creative director too. <laughs> so I think that's because he, he essentially uh, shared that role. But, I don't know yeah. what that means for this year. He had the background, which was more of the visual and presentation side of things, though. Um, and, and that includes being the director and writer of, uh, of Longshot. And I don't think you can do a Longshot and handle all the other responsibilities. Oh, no. of a, yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's fantastic. I, I love Mike. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, sort of whether he sort of because he had been, you know, he had been uh, very much a face of the franchise for a few years. And then he took a step back as he started working on the, the longer term stuff when Rex sort of took took the, the, mm-hmm. the became more, uh, you know, the, the guy that would be on the interviews and things like that, too. So it's interesting how that can continues to evolve because we like Mike. I mean, I. I I'm on record as saying I love what Longshot was. I don't necessarily say that I loved all of Longshot, but I loved what it was and what it attempted to do. And, yes, I certainly have an appreciation for it because of Todd Zaniga and Mike. But either way, even if it weren't them, I, I would have appreciated it. I thought it was a, a cool idea. What What did you think of Longshot, by the way, Ian? Did you play it? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I love Mike, too. He's a great friend of mine. And I, have, I never can stay in contact with him because he's always so busy. Um, but um, I could, I mean, obviously, I think if he takes over um, any sort of creative director role, he'll kill it. Um, he's, he's an amazing leader. Everybody really respects him. And, um, but yeah, he is, he's an art, he's an artist. He's a, um, he's, he's not like, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember what Rexall did with gameplay details, but Mike usually, you know, left that to me. And then he dealt with all the gameplay or with all the art and presentation. Um, but in terms of long shot, yeah, I, I really like, <laughs> I loved, I loved the whole thing. Um, except for the gameplay parts. <laughs> um, yeah. and so, and, 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 and more or less when it became like little Madden parts and that's mainly just cause I'm, I'm, I'm a big stickler of all these same things that continue to drive me nuts, you know? Um, but no, I, I, to see, um, that pulled off was, was super impressive. I mean, there were parts that were like, eh, you know, I don't know if I would have done that or whatever, but like, I mean, to execute that on the Madden team in the Madden engine is unbelievable for Mike to have pulled that off. Um, and, and his team, of course. Um, so I just mad props all around. I mean, it was, it, I thought it was amazing um, as a delivery period and then having worked on the internal details of teams like that, that's even more mind blowing that he was able to accomplish it, you know? 
All right. Well, I, I think, uh, again, from from just a, a uh, player's perspective, what what this news really means is just more uncertainty rather than stability. We don't really know what it means at this point. I know everyone's going to speculate uh, and that's natural and you know that's fine. We'll find out sooner <laughs> or later. Uh, but we really appreciate you giving us your perspective, Ian, uh, coming yeah, on. Yeah, no problem. And, Real well, quick, question man. for you, Brian. I was going to ask you one thing, Brian, which is yeah. like, I mean, you follow these, you know, the, the internal numbers probably just as much as anyone. Like, do you know how well uh, Madden sold? Do you know how well Longshot was received in terms of a business standpoint? Because that would tell you where it's going. If it did well, yeah. then they're going to do more of that. If it didn't, then they're not going to do more of that. You know, you know it, it, it's hard to assess with Longshot because the, the impression I got, I don't have exact numbers, but the impression I got was that they view Longshot as having been successful but not having necessarily translated to sales. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you uh, you balance those two things. Like, like it may have done a good job in reaching a, a segment of consumers that were intimidated by Madden overall. You know, as far as it's, it's a complicated game to play, but if you go in and you play long shot, you get kind of an experience uh, that you don't otherwise. And, and anyone essentially can play through that. Uh, but also, Longshot was a uh, like a three and a half hour experience, and once you're done, you're done. And so, from EA's perspective, they're not making money on that post release like they are with mm-hmm. Ultimate Team. So, uh, I don't know how they view it necessarily, other than what I what I said earlier, which was I think they saw it as a uh, as a success for reaching new people, but that didn't necessarily translate to an increase in sales this year. They're doing great digital revenue-wise, but uh, as far as actual sales of the game, I mean, we're looking essentially flat uh, over the mm. last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's tough. It's tough to know what that means from like an executive standpoint, how they assess the game based on those factors. Um, so I, I, you know, I imagine. The story mode will you know, still remain a part of, of Madden going forward because it's a way to reach new people. But I wouldn't be surprised if they tailor it in a different way going forward. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough one because, I mean, the, the years and years that it took to build that mode, um, you basically have to delete it again for next year, I assume. I mean, maybe they'll keep it in as it was, but I doubt it. I don't I don't know. And then, or do you have to build a whole new story and then try and finish it within one year cycle? Whereas it took like five years to build the previous one. Um, that just is like that. I'm glad I'm not having to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All wait, right. Well, wait, yeah, real quick which, before, uh, before we let you go, I don't know that we talked about it. So how is horse racing manager 2018 being used on NBC for, during the Derby? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, thank you for bringing that up. I just finished that tonight. Um, so wow. if you watch the if you if you watch the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, uh, which is two days away right now, we're talking. Um, at some point during the broadcast, you know they have like three or four hours to fill for a two for a two minute race. Um, they they do a prediction of the race. The broadcasters um, run a sim very similar to how ESPN guys used to do Madden simulations. Um, and so anyway, they do a simulation for who they think is going to win and how the race is going to go down. And they use uh, our game engine um, basically for that sim. So you'll you'll see a little you know blurb come up third time games and and uh, you'll see all the uh, broadcast graphics and them pointing out and the commentators talking about 
who's going to win and where they're going to be at each turn. And, and it's all uh, our game that's uh, powering that. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. That is so yeah, it's great. Pretty rad. So keep an eye out and it'll be, it should yeah. be as long, as long as we don't blow it, uh, it'll be all three, <laughs> it'll be all three, uh, triple crown, <laughs> all three triple crown races should have a, our sim there. Uh, assuming we don't screw it up, which I, I think we're doing pretty well. It's, it's coming along pretty well. It looks good now. So, so horse yeah. racing manager 2018 is available now or available soon. Yeah. We just flipped the switch. It's worldwide. Oh, uh, wow. And, uh, like, yeah, yesterday's, I think. Um, Congratulations. And so, yeah, you can download it. Thank Talk you. Yeah. Burying the lead. My gosh, that, that we should have let know, off. Right. <laughs> it's already uh, already getting a lot of good reviews, too, I noticed. Oh, your, first, your first game was uh, was really well-reviewed on, on uh, yeah. Google Play and iOS also. Yeah, that's critical, man. It's wild how, like, just a half of a star rating drop will, like, really affect you in the long term. Um, so you, you always got to keep that up. You know, if anybody has a problem, we always have to jump all over it and uh, fix them and contact them directly and stuff. So that part is pretty wild. But, uh, yeah, it's it's starting off pretty strong. I mean, it's it's tough. It's really early to, to tell. We, we've been in the uh, U.K. and Mexico and Turkey for the last, like, month or two. Uh, just testing it out um but yeah it goes it's global now it's in like 14 languages which is also wild mm. um having to do it you know you never had to do with any of that stuff in madden um making sure that your game can handle russian or whatever um is is a whole different style of game design um so yeah yeah it's out and definitely check it out and, and hit me up if you have feedback and um we're, it's just like it's coming in hot and we have plenty of work still to still to do on it uh, as you might imagine so there's sure to be never bugs. there's sure to be there's, never, yeah, there's sure to be improvements never ends and uh, we plan on working on this game for another five years you know that's um, awesome and some in some level it's it's that style of a game it's definitely a long-term game so that's great um so yeah hit me up yeah and it's uh, always a pleasure uh yep. hope hope we get a chance to we'll talk to you again soon on here all right guys thanks a lot all right, Rich. So we also had the release this week of you know, one of our most anticipated sports games of the year, Super Mega Baseball 2. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Uh, the first game came out late 2014, and we loved it. It was one of our favorite sports games of that year. Uh, I believe Polygon, Owen, and uh, Summit gave it a gave it their sports game of the year, year award that year. And I think it finished third in the Press Row podcast voting that year. Uh, so the sequel's here, and it really, you know, it, it really delivers on everything that we had hoped the first game would have, but just didn't yet. Of course, this is an independently developed game, so uh, it's it's also uh, unlicensed. So your expectations are a little different, and that's that's just going to be natural. But it really uh, was was good beyond those expectations. Like uh, we've had plenty of unlicensed independently developed sports games in recent years, many of them not very good, uh, but this one was really great. And so now the sequel hits on the areas that we're lacking, like online play. We got online play in super mega baseball too. In addition to that customization, but if you're on Xbox one rich, like the two of us have, the game is free <laughs> for if you've got Xbox Live Gold right now, which is just astonishing to me. Yeah, uh, it, it's perfect, right? Because I was going to buy the game. It's not like I wasn't going to buy it. And I still might on other platforms. 
But boy, it sure is convenient to get home and just hit a button and hit install, and, and there it is. And then even better, got to play online co-op with you and Pete Dodd. It was three of us yeah. playing games. It was uh, Pete and I versus you, yeah. and it worked beautifully and seamlessly. Like, what a fun game. What a really fun game. To me, I think... It's going to personally be, personally be the most fun when I am doing what we did last night, which is playing you know, with and against uh, a couple of buddies. Mm-hmm. But um, even, even so, just the, the game itself is really well put together in a lot of ways. I love the pitching in particular. The fielding feels good. I know you're going to talk a lot about some of the details, but just mm-hmm. – Yes, it's great, and and a lot of little things, a lot of big things. It, it's so good. Everything, every game I've played so far has been fun. Yeah. So one of the one of the lines I used uh, to describe Super Mega Baseball Two is that it's an unlikely mix of accessibility and realism. Meaning, it looks like an arcade game. It uh, it's easy enough to play like an arcade game, where you can just pick up and play the game and have some success. But it really is a, a baseball simulation. It really, you know, you don't have power ups. You don't have the, you know, players don't have otherworldly abilities. You're managing things like fatigue and and the occasional injury, which you guys had in one of your games, uh, where the guy just, uh, what what do you do? Pull his groin or something? Rounding first, and he then did. he just stopped. Yes, he yeah. did. Yes, he did. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Um, so you, and then you're also dealing with like, uh, confidence, which they, they call mojo in the game. Uh, and that's affecting players ratings. So you're having to balance all these things. So when you get into a season mode, you're really balancing all those things. Um, and then there's of course the ego difficulty, which, which comes back from the first game, which when we did our podcast, uh, when the whole panel went through the, the, our favorite uh, baseball video game features of all time, Ego showed up in, in several of our uh, top five lists. So people already respected that that uh, that factor in these games. And yep. Ego is just, it's brilliant here again, uh, because it really, it's not just a difficulty level like you find in most sports games. You're incentivized to actually move it up because uh, you're trying to earn star points and you get bigger multipliers by having a higher difficulty so scoring two runs on one of the highest uh, numbers, it's going to actually pay out better for you than scoring you know, 10 runs on one of the lowest difficulty levels. So it's pretty neat in that regard. It gives you, uh, encourages you to continue moving up and challenging yourself. Uh, and then you can also split those. You can set an ego for your pitching, an ego for your hitting, and an ego for your fielding. So you can really customize it and create the, uh, the type of game challenge that you want. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm really pleased with the game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the, uh, the visuals are toned down a bit and not as exaggerated as the first game. Uh, the gameplay is really well refined. You can tell they put a lot of time into, uh, creating this game, including that delay from September probably benefited the game greatly. Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Knowing nothing internally, just based upon the conversation, you know, we had with Ian, right? I mean, six, nine, twelve months is an eternity. So I'm sure it was. I mean, everything I've played has been really smooth, really well put together. I, in particular, I just want to talk for a minute about the pitching. The pitching is really good. It it is to me reminiscent of the MLB 2K pitching mechanic, which I enjoyed 
tremendously. The last two or three versions of those game, I was I was really a fan of of the pitching in that. Once I got to to know, it's not exactly the same by any stretch, but I, I like how based upon the different pitch that you choose, then you know you can sort of see the arc. But then once you sort of start it, you know you have to to line up a moving circle against the spot where you want to optimally hit. And the closer you get, sort of the more points you get, which gives you a better shot at pitching it, and the farther away, mm-hmm. the worse. But it's not overly punishing, at least on the ego that I am on, which I'm sure has a lot to do with it because I'm playing at a relatively low ego, lower than you and lower than Pete. Um, but even even so, just it's really it's a really good – I mean, to, to make video game pitching fun – other than blatantly copying MLB The Show, right? Not that MLB The Show's pitching is perfect. I mean, it, it, there's only so many different things you can try, right? Only so many different ways to pitch you can do it, you know? I mean, and the show's got, what, three or four pulse and, you know, analog and all this stuff. So the the, the fact that, they're, that their pitching mechanic to me is so good, and it's a little tricky at first, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a bit tricky, and I'm by no means an expert. But I just I, that's that's a, an example of something that I really like, really like what they've done. Very happy with that. Yeah, and I, I use uh, hitting as the, as the best example of kind of how the the game has these simple mechanics, but there's depth to them depending on how you want to utilize them. So so hitting is uh, can be very like I said, very simple if you want it to be. You can just stand there and time your swing. You don't have to aim if you don't want to. The game auto aims now. It's starting at the center of the strike zone, so it auto-aims, but it can only reach in a certain amount of time. It can only reach a certain distance. Of course, your ego is going to play somewhat into that, but uh, it, you can also guess if you want, move it up, and then if the, you're going to have a better chance of reaching a high pitch or down, you're going to have a better chance of getting to that low pitch and not just uh, topping it or, or getting under uh, a high one. So um, you can do that. And then there's also... Contact swing, power swing, pretty pretty standard for a uh, a baseball video game. But I like how the contact swing just tap the button. You just very swing different. the button. You, very you tap different. it, you're you're gonna check it. But yeah, you you press the button. Power swing, you hold it in and then you let go. Um, and it's it's really uh, it's very satisfying when you actually lay into a ball. Yes, and I did crush one last night. Had a, home run. had a long yeah. home run off you, Brian. Yeah, I don't remember that, but yes, uh, if, if you say it happened, I'm going to, I guess, believe you. Uh, but that, but it just goes to show how you can really uh, take advantage of certain things, and as you get better and as you challenge yourself more, you're going to be rewarded for it. Um, it's just one one of those things. Um, the, the, there's only a few things with the game that that I saw as problematic. And that's the, the fielding at times can be troublesome in the outfield. There's no indicator for where the ball is falling. Again, you're being assisted by the CPU in pretty much every situation. So you can let the CPU control your fielder to catch the ball. But if you take over the fielder, he's going to move faster. He or she is going to move faster. Uh, so sometimes you want to take over. And so it's I've, I've misplayed a few in the outfield. Also, uh, especially on the infield, when I there's some in-between uh, ground balls that uh that go by and they they don't really make much of an effort to try and and get to uh you can dive but i've also done that and i dove past the ball uh so i I think there just needs to be a little bit of an in-between animation or something uh but i mean otherwise the game's just awesome 
I mean, it's so it's so much fun. You know, uh, it's so inviting, and uh, to to people who are new to it, and it's so rewarding to people who who put the time in with it. You know, I will definitely go on record as saying that I like the art direction this year much more than the original. You know, the the character designs, the heads in particular, while still very cartoony in their proportions and what gets accented, much much more toned down. And I applaud that decision very much. Um, so, you know, something else that's I you know I was. As I play it, I just you notice, right? Like this is a not this is not a licensed game, so it's not trying to be in presentation a super serious game. And you got guys and you got girls, right? Of all sorts of different sizes, mm-hmm. and it's just part of the game. And no one's making a big deal about it, right? Like it's just I that's cool. I like that. That's charming. Uh, that that's how this game is presented as well, as far as the different kinds of players. That's really really. I think a smart decision, a very welcoming decision, right? You mm-hmm. know, I just I think that I get a kick out of that too. It's fun. You know, yeah, especially absolutely. when like uh um you know, you, you get this uh like my picture last night, one of my pictures, you know, she was a female character, really tall, really, you know, really lean and and uh she got a a big uh, a big hit at the right time and and you know, was like, you know, busting her butt really hard to get to to the base and she did and I don't know, it's it's cool how they do that. I like that. Yep, and the and the customization gives you a lot of uh, uh, options to change team names, create logos, uh, change player names and equipment and and appearance, and just a ton of options there. Uh, you can't share them. That's the only unfortunate thing, but that's kind of where we're at this day and age legally. Uh, so um, you're gonna have to put some some work into them to to create a league or to replicate. You know, if you want to make an MLB team there are people making mlb and college uniforms and and stuff but gotta do it for yourselves unfortunately uh unlike some other games out there that that you can share uh but uh it's really just uh, they nailed almost everything people asked for from uh the feedback to the first game and here we are with with an excellent excellent baseball game on xbox one if you're on xbox one it's what you should be getting yep. not just because it's free but because it's the, your best option it's good and uh right yeah it's, it plays it's really beautifully good. just plays beautifully i yeah. mean we played two games online there was like one mm. brief moment where something weird happened but we played two full games and had a fantastic experience too it, it was working yep. very well and 30 bucks on ps4 and pc it'll be 30 bucks on xbox one if you don't download it this month so make sure you download it in May uh, and get it for free with Xbox Live Gold. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, brief discussion on it, but basically because it's as simple as saying you should be playing Super Mega yeah. Baseball. Give it, get, go give it a go. If you, I mean, you're listening to this podcast at this point of the, of the show. This game is for you. <laughs> it's this. <laughs> go get it. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I want to talk about in this episode, Rich, was the NBA 2K League, which yeah. had its first event. Uh, it's still ongoing as we're recording this. It'll be over in uh, this weekend. Well, I wanted to wanted to make some observations. I'm going to write a, a, a analysis piece for Sporting News probably probably Monday uh, that looks at really everything from the numbers to the game presentation to um, you know it, you know issues with the game that was spotted, uh, some of the highlights of the games. And just maybe some of the changes that they're going to need to make to improve the experience for both the, the players and the 
and the and the viewers. So I'm I'm curious if you have any questions on, on my observations so far. Otherwise, I will just go into them. Well, do you think that it's been a success so far? Uh depends on the metric you're using. For well, success. okay. Do you think that NBA 2K, you know, Take Two, and the 2K team are viewing it as a success? Uh, so I would say it's a success as far as the event uh, goes in, in in how it's been handled and put together and uh, just structurally the way they've done it and and uh, pulled it pulled something so massive together and, and presented it in a way that gives it a um, a sense of legitimacy so in that in that sense yes but in a sense of our the numbers of success no um, so I mean we've talked rich about uh, eSports with sports games and all the struggles they've had and how they've yet to really build an audience and and I've thought that, uh, the 2K League would be the first one that really has a chance to grow, chance to become uh, bigger, make an impact uh, societally, uh, have people actually pursuing the ability to watch the games, um, and having a rooting interest because they've got teams behind them. Uh, but the number, the, it hasn't translated to viewers, Rich. Uh, <clears throat> so opening day of this tip-off tournament, uh, peaked at 12,000 viewers. Most of the time it was settled in like an eight to 11,000 viewer range. Um, and then in the subsequent, subsequent days here, uh, every single day has seen a reduction in the numbers. So day two, it was more around, uh, seven to 8,000 day three. It's more in the four to five to 6,000 range of, of, uh, concurrent users. So, or viewers, um, so it's concerning because I, I would have thought there'd be a little more traction in that area. I mean, it is the start. It's just the start of it. Um, it's happening on weekdays. It's competing with NBA playoffs, which is not really a great, uh, great scenario for them to start with. Uh, but considering the promotion and the marketing and appearing on programs like Sports Center with highlights after the first day, uh, to see an erosion in those numbers early is concerning. Uh, I think as we go to day two and three, seeing those drops drop-offs, that's concerning to me because uh, it says people tuned in out of curiosity, and not many, not many, but those people who turned in out of curiosity, half of them may be gone already and, and not really interested anymore. Uh, it's going to take some time for them to build up uh, a following or any credibility in this area. Yeah, I mean that is uh, that is certainly from a trending perspective the opposite of what anybody would want. Uh, that's that that's for sure. You know, I don't. You know, I'm I'm not into this. This is not my kind of thing. Esports in general. I covered it a little bit for the Sporting News a few years ago for a few months. So I got a little bit into it, but it's still. Something I know, and, and again, three years ago in esports, might as well be four centuries between where <laughs> it was then and where it is now. Anyway, so you know, esports is is wildly popular, but is confusing to a lot of people. And your traditional sports fans, you know, I'm I'm an old traditional sports fan, and you know, 
generally speaking, traditional sports video game mode player and fan. And I don't, you know, I, I obviously, you know, look at Pasta Padre and Operation Sports every day, and I see the mentions, and I sometimes read a little bit about it. But even so, it's confusing to me. I don't know what the structure of the league is. I don't know how many games they're playing. I don't know what yeah. the playoffs are. And mm-hmm. I don't know because I haven't checked, right? I mean, ignorance is, is – I'm well, not like standing here saying, I don't know how – like it's not – it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. My point is, I don't know that you know, and it's new, right? So I don't know that there, there's a lot of people that even sort of understand what the structure of it is and what are they watching? Are they watching an exhibition? Are they watching something that that's that's the first part well, of a ten part series? Like those interesting, kinds of things, you know. Interesting about that, Rich, is they've sent out press releases about that, and I've even done a few articles on that. But you would think that the, and this is one of the things I've noted, you would think that the 2K League website would have scheduling information, statistics, rosters, uh, uh, results of the games, uh, and, and there's, not, there's nothing. Their, uh, their website has basically nothing on it. It doesn't have any of that. Uh, so I think that's one area where they've planned so well, and, and they've, this is like two years in the making, and they don't even have a website that follows all this information, the exact stuff that you're saying you would probably need just to have a fleeting interest. Well, that's certainly strange that that would be the case. So, like, nobody knows the results of any of the games or, or the standings or not, anything like that? Not unless you're following them on Twitter, essentially. Okay. Well, that seems like something that should be readily addressable pretty right. quickly. Because you can build a website in about 10 minutes if you really try. It's it's just bizarre. They seem to plan everything out, but then that seemed like an obvious thing, and it's missing. Mm. Um, The actual games have been uh, so-so to watch. They've they're, most of the teams are, are pretty sloppy and yeah, unorganized. Five on five, is, right? These are five oh, individuals yeah. playing against yep. five other individuals, right? Yep, and they're all using uh, crafted players by 2K uh, that are pre-created. Uh, they're all 90 overall rated, so it's balanced in that sense. And they're picking, essentially, the archetypes that, that similar to what you, you pick when you play in, in uh, uh, my career mode. Um, so, so that each player is going to have their own, uh, strengths and weaknesses. Um, but it's early, so they haven't had much time to play together. And so I guess it's natural that sloppy and unorganized, uh, is the, the, the general theme of the games that I've watched. So they haven't been particularly fun to watch start to end, but a lot of them have gone down to the wire and, uh, and that's really helped as far as making them compelling, uh, if there were blowouts, I think you'd have even more people having tuned out. Um, so that that's my takeaway from from the actual gameplay. It, it seems like teams are having str- uh, struggles as far as running plays. So there have been a lot of end of game situations. Or, uh, for example, there was uh, a, a team trailing uh, by three. I believe they had an inbounds at, at mid court uh, after a timeout with just a couple seconds remaining. They passed it in. There was no play. It was just players standing around or moving randomly. Uh, passed it into a guy who was pretty much at the midcourt line, and he launched it from there. So that was the out-of-timeout play. That That's what they got out of a timeout. There was also the end of a game where a team was down by one with like 16 seconds remaining. 
and either they all either all five players forgot how to intentionally foul or the game glitched and didn't allow them to foul because they were just running around with they looked like they had they were chickens with their heads cut off and uh, they didn't actually foul and the game ended so there have been some weird situations like that that makes that that is detracted from the sense that this is this is like you know refined gameplay with with the best players in the world we're not to that point yet it doesn't look that way yet at least mm. um couple other things I wanted to note. Uh, they're using a broadcast camera, and I think that's important. There were the first day I saw a lot of people in the chat asking for the 2K cam, which is the baseline camera that'll flip on you when possession changes. And yep. there's no way 2K is going to present the game that way. There's two reasons. First, if you want to get people watching and you want to get like actual NBA fans and not just 2K fans, you need to have a broadcast camera because it looks like real basketball, like yep. you see on TV. Uh, the second the second reason is, and I have an image where I circled all of them, advertising. Uh, so the, uh, the advertising boards and advertising on the courts and advertising on the uh, uh, the, the structures, the, the hoop structures. I don't even remember what they're called, but... Uh, all those places, they have to be visible, they have to be readable, and they have to be prominent. And so those are the reasons why you're going to stay in a broadcast camera, even though a lot of people are asking for uh, the 2K cam. Um, games are six-minute quarters. I thought they didn't always flow very well because of timeouts. They're, each team gets like seven timeouts or something. Because of the, uh, the, the shorter quarters, they're using timeouts a lot. It seems like they're using too many timeouts, including trying to save a possession because in six minute quarters a possessions more important than in a regular NBA game of 12 minute quarters. Uh, so you'll see a timeout with like two seconds left in the first quarter so that they can advance the ball. Um, things like that, which has kind of felt off to me. Uh, they did a good job, like I said, of making the games legitimate, making it seem like uh, a serious event. Uh, the commentary, maybe a few too many cliches. They called the games like their NBA games, which is weird to me. Um, is, I understand uh, why. Is our friend Scott Gallagher? Is he doing? No. The, oh, he's no. not because I know he was no. before, right? Yeah, he did. He did their uh, esports uh, event a year or two ago. I know that, um, but no, he's not involved in this. Um, but like I was saying, they call it like an NBA game, and, and they, there's not a whole lot of nuance as far as the video game, which I think is what people want a bit of a differentiation there. Um, I also found it interesting because I thought going in that it'd be important to see the personality of the players within a team environment. Like, I can't get behind individuals playing Madden esports. I just can't do it. Uh, but I, I could get behind a team. Let's say I decide my team is the Blazers. I can get behind them. Maybe maybe they're a brash team. Maybe they're talking trash, may, and maybe I start to like that. Um, and that I think there's a team like that, and that's Utah, uh, which was kind of interesting to watch. But there was one timeout uh, situation where the Knicks team basically all argued amongst themselves. Players were demanding the ball from the point guard and there's like arguments and the coach is trying to like deal with with the personalities so i think that kind of stuff is is actually kind of fascinating to me and i hope we'll see more of those interactions although they have to be careful i know uh in one situation that a player criticized the actual video game because a shot didn't go in saying they should fix the sliders um because he his shot should have gone in 
course, we know that's not how sports work. <laughs> uh, you're gonna you're gonna miss an open shot every once in a while. Uh, um, so that's uh, so that's kind of my thing is that the numbers are on the NBA 2K League are not good. Uh, I don't know if that's a product of just the the circumstances as far as well, NBA it, playoffs. It also is on. a very curious decision to go up during the the NBA playoffs. I know, for example, well, you know Adam and and Jeff who stream franchise hockey manager like the first. You know, they, they did their stream at a different time than they normally uh, do because most of the people who would be in their stream wanted to watch yeah. the real NHL playoffs. So it's just well, it's know, unavoidable. It's decision. It's, it's, right now it's unavoidable is the problem because you're having like eight hours of games a day streamed. Um, so you, you can't avoid the NBA this time right. of the year. Right. Um, this is a this is like their opening tournament. This isn't even counting for their league standings, like what? the actual league. Yeah. This this goes back to your point and about not really understanding it, Rich. Uh, it, it's like ne- the next week. Yeah, next week I think uh, next Friday or something uh, is the first actual league game. So there's a season, and I think it's 16 games or something along those lines. We haven't gotten to that season yet. We're doing a tournament, and this is for, I believe, $100,000, this first tournament. Um, prize pool. Or maybe or maybe it's to the winners. I don't even know. I wrote an article about it, Rich, and I couldn't tell you the exact details on this. That's a bit problematic. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so this is just like an opening tournament. We're kind of getting to see the teams for the first time. They're going for money. They're learning about themselves and their teammates. Um, so it's interesting. And I've watched more of it than I anticipated I would. But I don't know if that's going to translate. I still don't know if that's going to translate. Is there an audience for sports games and esports? And this was uh, something that was mentioned on Twitter. I actually replied to somebody's random tweet, which I rarely do, uh, about it, uh, where they they had Ninja streaming. They had a screenshot of Ninja streaming uh, Fortnite. And this is a guy with a webcam, you know, sitting at home. Uh, he didn't spend millions of dollars uh, to get viewers, and he's got, you know, 200,000 viewers or whatever at the given moment. And meanwhile, NBA and 2K, who are spending millions of dollars on this, have got 6,000 viewers. It's it's very, it's, very interesting to me. It, you know, in a lot of ways, it's one of the great examples of how the Internet can be the great equalizer. You know, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. You know, I mean, the the ultimately people decide what is popular and what is not. You know, and and things come and go, and and you know, Fortnite is huge and it's great, and a bunch of my friends play it all the time. It's fun, and I've played it and had fun. And E three this year is going to be ten battle royale announcements, and people are going to complain about battle royale fatigue, and Ninja will will eventually move to the next game or the next game and things like that. And it, but it, it is fascinating. Like you say, making that juxtaposition, you know, the internet has, has continues to be this great disruptor slash equalizer slash opportunity uh, for big companies and little guys and everybody in between. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. So we'll check back on, on that uh, probably next week. Uh, and, and see how it's developed and see if, if they haven't been able to show a little progress. Uh, but otherwise, I, I just thought it was interesting uh, these first few days to see how it compared to Madden, which I'm checked in on Madden during the Madden uh, finals uh, of their esports, the Madden championship. 
and they had 6,000 viewers when I, when I looked. And that's, again, that's like a million-dollar million prize pool or whatever for that, plus they're paying employees and, and paying for all you know the presentation, and it's, it's insane. It's crazy. So um, we're not there yet. Uh, even 2K League with the backing of the NBA, not there yet. Uh, so it's going to take some time if it's going to happen at all. So we'll keep tracking on, we'll keep track of that all all throughout the, the coming weeks and months. So thank you, Rich. Again, thanks to uh, Ian Cummings. Check out Horse Racing Manager 2018 on iOS and Android. Uh, we will be back again next week with another episode. Thanks, everyone. Take care.